What's crack-a-lackin' everybody? Money Smart Guy Matt Cipolla here, hailing to you from Dallas, Texas, and once again here on the Seven Figure Squad Podcast here, episode five, six. And in the studio today with me is professional major league baseball player Tori Hunter, taken 20th overall in the first round of the 1993 MLB draft by the Minnesota Twins out of high school. Yeah. Uh, an elite center fielder. He won nine consecutive Golden Glove Awards, was a five-time All-Star selection, and won two Silver Slugger Awards as the best offensive player at his position. We are just talking earlier before right. we cut on, but he's right now in the contention in the Hall of Fame conversation. Let's go. <laughs> uh, but in addition to that, uh, we're going to also be talking about business, how he's making his money moves today, him being a grandfather, was it a five, five six, grand, six, six grandkids, grandkids now? Yeah, my sons, they love sex. It's amazing. <laughs> they love sex. <laughs> Not a bad thing to do. That's just not a bad thing that God created. So that being said, Tori Hunter, welcome to the podcast. Man, thanks for having me, man. I um, I really inspire. I'm inspired by what you do and what oh. you say. I, I've uh, heard several of your podcasts, and and uh, and I actually apply a lot of those things to wow. my, my life. So, wow. so I'm glad, glad to be on here. I, uh, I I kept hearing your name throughout the last two, you know, two three weeks. But I first heard of your name because we have a common friend and your financial yeah. advisor, Ed Butowski, That's right. who was that in that chair about three weeks ago at the turn of the year, giving his financial prediction for 2024. He brought your name up again. And then um, if you can go to my screen, um, Jordan, uh, and then I go to <laughs> then I go to your cigar lounge in Little Rock, Arkansas, a couple <laughs> weeks ago with your boys out there. Right. Uh, I don't know. Does, does, does it pop up, uh, Jordan? They're right here. In the, let me see if I can zoom it up. Does it zoom up? Is my oh screen's not moving? Okay, but that middle picture there it is. That, there middle, it is. that middle picture is a little bit of a delay. That middle picture right there, your guys. Yeah, David David Jolly is on the left. He's he's the one that that's the brainchild, and Corey he's the one that he's the regulator. You know, he the makes sure everything is in order, and uh, we got a good team. We got uh, Andre McFadden over there as well. Love it. He's a good friend. We all grew up in Pine Bluff together. Wow. You know, since we were kids, five years old, and that's and cool. uh, these guys didn't go to prison. <laughs> they're, they're educated, graduated from college, and, and, and so it was easy to do business with those guys when they yeah. presented it to me. So, the, boy, they, they treated me like royalty. Yeah. There. So I just hats off to these guys in, in Little Rock. And that's my you. second time, third time there, because every time I go to Little Rock, because we're building an office in Little Rock, yeah. Arkansas. And uh, so I, rumors are you're opening up a culture in... Uh, that's that's I, a I rumor. I'm stir it up. It's I'm, a rumor. I'm, okay. I'm working. I'm okay. working trying to find the, 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 the right space. Okay. Uh, we have a lot of people in Collin County, North Dallas area. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, I know a lot of dignitaries, a yes. lot of guys that smoke cigars yes. as well. So if I do open, I know I have some members right away. <laughs> right away, and right away, I'll be. And I want, I want number one. I want to be a first round locker. Right first, there, you, you right. will be. You'll be number one. Bam, no okay. doubt about you're, it. You heard here on Seven Fears Well Podcast, <laughs> and, and the culture, North or, uh, North Dallas here. But uh, and then uh, a couple other guys um, were talking to me about you. Bring up your, bring up your name, and next thing you know. I'm looking for another place to do content and to create another area for content. Somebody told me about the Maker Gym. I checked it about a year ago, and then I went back to it a couple weeks ago, and then <laughs> guess what? I bumped into everybody. Tory Hunter. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, Maker's Gym, man. It's, it's a pretty cool spot, man. I'm glad you came up there and check it out. A lot of people think when I say Maker's Gym, they think gym like a fitness workout. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's actually a fitness place for the mind. You know, uh, a lot of creatives go there, and you got the podcast rooms, yeah. editing bays, sound, sound stage. stage. Yeah, sound stage, um, conference rooms, meeting rooms. 
um, photographer rooms. And uh, so we, we currently have uh, over 250 members. And uh, and it's it's growing steady, slowly but yeah. steady. And we're still working on systems, working on different things. We have a lot of lot of uh, uh, time to grow. Uh, we're still learning ourselves, yeah. but the the space is magnificent, man. It's awesome. It's yeah. a great concept. My brother Terrence Price, my brother-in-law Terrence Price, uh, used to work for Ogilvy in New York, and he he was like the, the main Ogilvy. guy. Yeah, that's the, that's the PR firm that connected me and Ed Butowski. Really? So funny. Ogilvy? Oh yeah, God. well, he was, the, he was a guy, he was the lead on the team with rebranded Wonder Woman. And he was the lead on the team that wow. rebranded UPS and yeah. NASCAR and, yeah. and all these different things. He had some big major projects with Marvel. And, uh, and he's like, man, I want to create a space where creatives can own their own content. Yeah. You know, you nice. go to this space, you get a membership. It's just like when you go to a gym, you get a membership and yeah. you, you can't buy those machines, yeah. right? But you work out with them and you use them. So he did the same thing in the creative world. You have podcast areas, podcast yeah. rooms. Some people can't afford these $400 mics, sure. you know? And so if you create a space for them, they'll come and yeah. work out their way and work out their creativity. So that's yeah. why we call it the maker's gym. That's great. Or they can't afford the twelve hundred dollar black magic cameras you guys use. Right, there, man. So right. We like got red cameras. We got expensive cameras, and and uh, so just you get a chance to when you, once you're a member, you get a chance to get hours and credits, and yeah. and uh, uh, and get a chance to use some of those yeah. uh, some of that equipment that we have, and 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 make a great product. And the best part of it is that there's people there. You got coaches there yeah. that if you don't know how to use the equipment, or you don't know how to edit, and or you don't want to do it because you yeah. just want to be a creator, not the editor. Right, you got people there that um, can help you do that too as well. It's called the maker maker coaches. They they you know a lot of guys that uh, that come to our our space and they're members and they're very professional. Um, we we allow them to have a space where you can coach and mm -hmm. also create more income for them as well. Yeah. And, but at the same time, the creatives. You, People are all creatives. We yeah. all are creatives, yeah. right? Some people tap into it and some people don't, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, and if you can inspire somebody or show them that they, they do have an eye to take pictures, they're taking pictures with their phone, but they're afraid to go further to, to make a business out of it, you know, you can inspire someone to go out there and take photos and, and, and learn how to, you know, use the red cameras and all that yeah, different things like that. I mean, Maker's Gym is a, a place where you can really go out and, and use that God-given ability because we're all creators. God created. Mm -hmm. So he made us in his image, meaning yeah. like his characters. His, not so much like look like him, yeah. but some of his characters that he he has. And one of those is creativity. Yeah. And so we all have it in us. We just have to uh, tap into it. That's right. And so, you know, I was, I was you, know, you saw that uh, interview I did with Coach Prime. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about Coach Prime in a second. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Coach Prime was sitting in an interview. It's like, we all got talent. It's just we don't have the platform to, to, to bring it out. Right. Or to hone it, to, to, to develop it. Right. And so, uh, now, back, back to uh, Coach Prime. So, <laughs> I was going back and forth between Chicago and Dallas. Chicago and Dallas, because our corporate home office was right here in Addison. Mm -hmm. And so, when I'd travel at least once a month here to Dallas to do some work here at a corporate home office and go back to Chicago, I'd see the differences between Chicago and Dallas. And one of my inspirations in Dallas was... Deion Sanders. Right. And I'd watch his reality show when he was still married to Pilar. And, <laughs> and they were raising their boys. And their boys, like, I don't want to take a shower in my bathroom. I want to take a shower in Daddy's shower. Because <laughs> his shower was unbelievable. <laughs> his closet was unbelievable. Crazy. I, I was at that house all the time. So, so talk to us about Because I go back to his house as an area of inspiration to me. And back then, there was nothing around Prosper. And I'm just talking about maybe six, seven years ago. And that's all built out. So, yeah. so talk to us about your relationship with Coach Prime. 
Man, I, I played baseball against them. Um, I had a chance to watch them play on the baseball field. Football field, not so much. But um, I always had a, a liking to Dion. Because mm. who, who couldn't? Sure. Who wouldn't like Dion as yeah. an athlete, the athlete that he is? But, you know, I moved here. Um, and right away, I connected with, with Dion. And Dion was kind of like my mentor, my big brother. Mm. You know, he's been there, done that. He was like my mentor, the one that's been there, done that already. And he was telling me what not to do. Let me tell you what I did. Don't you do it. Yeah. Right? And so... Um, Don't I, you do it. Right, right. It's in his voice. <laughs> so I bought, I bought a property in Vaquero. And Vaquero is a really nice place over in, in Westlake. And uh, so I bought a lot in there. And, and and so that was in February. I went to spring training end of February, and my wife was like, I don't want to go there. They wouldn't let her in the gate, something like that. And mm. she's just like, nope, I'm not, I don't want to stay there, right? Mm. So I said, all right, when I get back, uh, we'll sell the property. So while I was playing, uh, it was eight months, and I got back from the season, um, I bought the lot for, say, 600000 mm. right? And I end up selling that, that lot in eight months in 1.2. And I'm Double. like, yeah, and this was 2003. Wow. So I'm like, this is what they do. <laughs> this, this is real estate. You know, I'm like, man, I got to So I start doing a deep dive. I'll be the one reading on the plane wow. and all these different things, learning about real estate, learning yeah. about, you know, yeah. uh, 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 construction and all these different yeah. things and something that I really wanted to do. Yeah. It was very lucrative. But uh, when I sold the property, I was meeting Dion for breakfast all the time at this place called La Pete Grill. And okay. uh, and we'll eat eat breakfast and we'll talk life. We'll talk about our marriage. We'll talk about anything. And, uh, and he ended up telling me, you need to come to Prosper. So I went out to Prosper, went to his house. We had a guy named Rex, uh, Rex Glendening in Prosper. Uh, he's up there in Salina. He drove us around. He's a big landowner out wow. there. And he drove us around. It's wide open there. It's wide, yeah. It was wide open at the yeah. time. Yeah. And, and my wife was with me, and she's like, you're not leaving me in this country town. <laughs> you know, like, think about some brothers up there. And Dion was telling me to come up there. Dion, everybody know you, but they all know me. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, Dion got me to Prosper. End up getting a lot of a lot of land, 20 acres up Holy there. Moly. Yeah, and and it was cheap. And now the boom, you know, after the pandemic, yeah. uh, it's it drove those prices up. Yeah. And so I'm once again, I'm really in love with real estate. Yeah. And well, uh, that, that's the thing, you know, people wonder why money when when money was infused into our economy during the you know, I mean, 80 percent of all the money printed in the history of America has been printed in the last three four years. Yeah, and people wonder why the rich got kept rich. Well, because the rich were buying assets. Yeah, you bought an asset. Yeah, and the, the government did what it did, and it, it, it increased it the value of assets. And you were smart to do it. Yeah, people out there, instead of being financially, they're spending money and. I spent some money too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I spent some money too. Uh, I had my brothers, you know, uh, from. Uh, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. They were yeah. there, and I'm like, I got to get them out of the hood, you know. So I brought them to Frisco, and Frisco okay. at the time only had like three thousand people, five thousand people, mm -hmm. and uh, so we, I bought them properties there, and it was uh, you know 160 grand, 150 grand a piece <laughs> in Frisco? back then in 2002. Were these condos? Yeah, it was little townhomes, right? It's townhomes nice. with a backyard, and wow. and they were single. They, these guys were single, no kids. You know, they still party. I'm yeah. like, hey, you can't have too much. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I got them that. And and sometimes I, I wouldn't give them anything, and they would be like, "Man, why where my money at? You know, I need some money. You know how family is with, with money, yeah, man." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I'm like, "Your money's in the house. I'm trying to protect you. Mm -hmm. Your money's in the house." So as they got older, uh, uh, my other, older brother ended up selling his home for mm -hmm. 
triple the price, you know, double the price. Yeah. And uh, and he's like, wow, I didn't know. Well, mm-hmm. the money's hid in the home. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. The, the appreciation on that home just yeah. grew, yeah. and you didn't even know it. You just want to see cash in hand, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I was hiding the cash so you don't spend it. Yeah, yeah. And so to know when they look at their taxes is going up and they look at see what their house was worth, they're like, wow, I, I get it now. Yeah. But for 10 years, I was going through it, <laughs> you know, and it's not really their fault. It's my fault. You know? By the way, Darren, uh, Darren Woodson, which is you know, another buddy, is a play, cowboy, yes, cowboy's all-time tackling leader, mm-hmm. is sitting in that chair and said, I said, what's the number one problem why professional athletes go broke? Without a hesitation, he says, family. It's all family. And all our family, man, it's it's like, but for us, we love our family. Sure. And they can do anything. They can say anything to us. They can be nasty to us. But we always go back to our family. It's like an abusive situation. And we go back to it, right? Because I want my family. I love my family. My brothers, yeah. my dad grew up, when I grew up, my dad was a drug addict, right? And so my three brothers that was in the house with me, uh, they all suffered the same way I did. And the reason why I was inspired to go play the game of baseball is because, man, I got to save my family. Mm. Where were you in the mix with your brothers? I'm I'm second. I'm I'm second. second. My older brother, Teru, Tishku, and Tram. It's like that. And and so they were all in a struggle. Our lights were cut off. You know, one day the yeah. TV might be gone because yeah. he pawned it for, for whatever. You know, food's not in there. Hot water is off. And we're doing our homework with candles. So my brothers grew up with me in this situation. So it, I felt like it was a responsibility of mine to do it. Because of my, my childhood issues and all these issues, it stayed with me for a long time. And it, it kind of um, put, they used me as a crutch. You know, and also I, in I high hampered. school, didn't you have a crack pipe fall out your pocket? Yep. How did you know that? Yeah, you yeah, were doing yeah. research. I was in the, I was in a, in the uh, ninth grade, and um, I, I took I was looking for my starter Chicago Bulls starter oh, at the time. Man, Chicago Bulls, of course, you know they were valuable. good. And you had a starter. <laughs> you had a starter. You, you know it was red and white and had that Bulls emblem on the back. Man, he, nothing like that. So I had that starter jacket, and my dad took it. You know, and I'm like, man, where my starter jacket? I thought someone stole it, stole it or whatever. And then two days later, I saw my dad laying on the couch before I went to school. And I, I looked and I saw my starter jacket on the back of a chair. I'm like, this dude took my starter jacket. Oh my god! Right? So I pops. Took, uh, yeah, I took what? the jacket, mad, you know, sprayed it down because it smelled like cigarette smoke or whatever, and and wore it to Cement school. Cement all Newports. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cool filter kings. You know, that's. Uh, Right, so I went to um, uh, school then the, the next that day, that morning, and teacher asked a question, and I raised my hand. When I raised my hand, it went bing, 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 oh like this, gosh. and I'm like, oh my god, right? And I grabbed it, and I was like, I raised my hand. Can I use the restroom? I got to use it really bad. So I put it back in my pocket. And I'm going out, and he's like, yeah, go ahead. It was Coach Craig. It was my coach, my football coach. And I went in there, and I, I'm like panicking. So I went in the toilet, raised the back of the toilet up, and put the crack pipe in mm. the toilet. And I, I, I knew what it was. And I wiped my fingerprints off with toilet tissue mm. and put it in the back of the toilet and put the thing on top of the toilet. And I'm like scared. Like I could have lost my my uh, my school year. I could have yeah. been in suspension yeah. and different things like that. And I. I didn't know what to do, wow. so that's when I really knew my dad was on on drugs, mm. you know. Wow. So it was a it was a rough one. So I, I felt like I had to save everybody, yeah, and become a a, a father figure. And I think I, I hurt a lot of my family more than I helped 
because sometimes when you're doing a lot of things for your family mm -hmm. and you out there, but it inspired me to play the game hard, run mm -hmm. into walls, 11 concussions, you know, played every day. I, I wouldn't come out of that lineup because I had things to do. Mm -hmm. It inspired me to do great things and yeah. keep going, play 23 professional seasons. Right. And But at the same time, you keep helping, keep helping, and they keep abusing you. It's an abusive situation. Interesting. Why did you choose baseball you said you played football why did you choose baseball or football were you just better at it or you just naturally <laughs> seems like you're an all-around athlete I, I had a guy a homeless guy we have a homeless guy we had a homeless guy his name was cool leroy and he was from uh pine bluff arkansas and um you know baseball i played it because it was that time of the year but baseball gave given me life experiences at 13 i was able to fly to Mexico, New Mexico, Boise, Idaho, California, oh, wow. and all these places to play in big tournaments because we won a tournament in Arkansas, then I was able to move on and go to different levels. But it gave me life experiences of, you know, yeah. staying with a host family that was filthy rich. They had their own plane, and I jumped in the plane, and we flew to <laughs> Boise, Idaho, in the mountains and landed, and I'm like, wow, a bear. You know, <laughs> that would never happen in the hood, you know? <laughs> We got different. We got different bears. The bear I know will beat you up, you know, and you'll survive, but he might get you. And so we, uh, I flew there, and you see all these. You get these life experiences, and they're all sitting at the table, mm -hmm. and they're talking about what they want to do in their life. You mm -hmm. know, they pray before they ate breakfast. Mm -hmm. They 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 made you wash up before. We didn't do that. We just yeah. grab our food, sit down on the floor, yeah. watch TV, or anything like that. We just never had a conversation. But every morning with my foster, my um, my host family, I, I sat down and, and had a conversation. So just baseball gave me these life experiment, wow. uh, experiences. And I'm like, low-key, and subconsciously, I fell in love with baseball. But sure. Consciously, all my friends were playing football. So all my friends in the hood played football. They didn't really play the game of baseball. Yeah. And so I just kind of gravitated towards football because of my friends and people who look like me. Yeah. And so in um, my junior year, uh, my senior year, a scout came to me and said, hey, uh, a guy named Cool Leroy said, hey, the homeless guy. He said, hey, man, baseball, you play forever. Football, you can get hit and be over with. Yeah. But you can get hurt in baseball as well. But longevity, I saw, right. was in baseball, and, and you can make long money, and it's guaranteed. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of chose that route, signed with the Razorbacks uh, to go to college to play. My wife was at the school. That's why I signed with the school, you know, the girl I like. <laughs> you know, it wasn't too many girls I like, but I really like this woman, which now is my wife for 27 years. Katrina. So. Yeah, Katrina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Hurricane yeah. Katrina when she's pissed. My mother-in-law is named Katrina. Oh, yeah? yeah, yeah. Is, she, is she a hurricane? She is. She is. <laughs> it's funny, all of our family, there were, were, uh, her, her daughter, uh, my, my sister-in-law, she was born on uh, D-Day. You know, mm. uh, so all of us are, and then, uh, of course, in Marines. So it's like everybody has a catastrophe on their birthday or some form of, you know, you know, bad omen. It right, happens. right. So kind of weird. <laughs> but we're all multicultural. You know, we, have, we have a great, you know, combination of, because uh, my wife is half white, half black. Uh -huh. And so her mom's like blonde hair, blue eyed. And then, and then her dad, you know, you know the, the family calls him the angry black man. It's <laughs> like he's pissed he's off. Angry. Well, I mean, you know, he grew up in a different time. He's been, he's pissed. He's pissed. <laughs> we got a lot of angry black men in the hood. <laughs> and so then my wife, I mean, she's, I mean, she's gorgeous. Everything, everybody thinks she's, she's Puerto Rican. Oh, Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, there's a lot of uh, black athletes in the game of baseball, but they're now becoming more Latino. Yeah. Uh, the black 
Black uh, Latinos. Black Latinos. Yeah. Black. They yeah, still yeah, black. Yeah, sure, they still black. Yeah. So I, I remember there was an interview uh, a while ago, and people was like, hey, man, baseball ain't cool. Well, I mean baseball ain't cool. I, I play baseball. It's cool. You know? Right. And so, so can you talk to us about the evolution of the game that, that, that you've seen a play of, of less black American yeah. playing baseball, but more black Latino playing baseball? Right. Well, I mean, um, in Dominica, uh, um, Colombia, and Venezuela, you know, they play the game of baseball, and they yeah. play hard, and they yeah. play with a passion, they play with a fight, and yeah. um, um, and but they have academies all in Venezuela oh, and Dominica. So feeding, feeding. It's, a, it's like a feeding yeah. uh, tube. It's, it's just a lot of people playing, and then you just say, oh, man, all these guys are playing. Let's get this person, that person, that person. That guy throws 100, you know. And I remember telling a story with the twins. We had a guy with the twins who was playing a video game. And mm -hmm. in, in, in Dominica, in Venezuela, and he, his friend was like, "Get up! We're going to the academy. We're gonna go and work out." He was like, "No, he's never played the game. He's 16 years old." And the guy, the kid, ended up convincing him to get off that video game and come play. He went on the mound. The guy was like, "The, the scout was like, hey, what position do you play?" He's like, "I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> right?" And uh, and so they say, "All right, just get on the mound and throw the ball." Got on the mound, threw the ball, 96. <laughs> and, and the so guy, I saw that rest. Right. Couch, it, it, yeah, rest. <laughs> it's all the fast twitch X, X, and O's, you know, on the PlayStation. So, I mean, the guy was throwing 96, and now he's in the big leases with the Dodgers, and uh, he's throwing 100, wow. you know. So wow. uh, just little stories like that comes from Dominica and Venezuela because yeah. they have those academies. We don't have a lot of academies here. It's very expensive mm. to have academies here. Yeah. And playing the game of baseball, travel baseball, yeah. is very expensive. Yeah. You know, a yeah. lot of, lot of uh, African Americans, unfortunately, is in, in poverty-stricken areas, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And for them to get on a travel team, they have to get sponsored yeah. or they have to be really good. But yeah. And it's hard for them to, to move and grow in the game of baseball and rec ball. you got to be got in it. travel baseball. Got it. And so I think we're losing them because of uh, the, you know, the, the money. It's yeah. too expensive. Yeah. And when I was coming up, we played the game. And they, the scouts came to rec, rec leagues. They came to see right. you watch you play in high school. Now they come watch you uh, in showcases. You know, they rarely come out you in high school. They yeah. come to the showcases. Yeah. And, you need uh, money, money to get to those. Perfect spots. game and all that different things. But it costs money to fly to Florida. costs money to fly to California or Dallas. costs a lot of money. And I think that's where inner city kids get left out. Not just African Americans, but it can be whites. It can be uh, Latino. Uh, Latino. Yeah, it can yeah. be uh, Asian. It can yeah. be if you're in a, a poverty-stricken area or, or inner city, yeah. it, we're getting lost because of uh, how expensive the game is now. Wow. Interesting. Um I got a couple of clips here to share of you playing baseball, and apparently there's a uh, uh, apparently there's a uh, I don't know a respect level that in an all star game you're not supposed to catch somebody's home run hit if you can get to it. But uh, <laughs> but uh, this this is a this is a clip here with you um, in playing center field in all star game and Barry Bonds mm -hmm. goes up to bat. So let's take a look at this clip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sound. Bonds extended. There you go. Ooh, sorry, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> you smiling? Man, that guy's strong. Yeah. I was right here. I was like, uh -huh. hey, he, I'm not gonna let him pick me up. I can tell you a whole story about this. Okay. It's crazy. Wait, 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 wait. One more. Look at that. And, and right when Barry picks me up, bro. Oh, I got, I got some up. I yeah. had some ups. Yeah. Not anymore. But this. 
when he picked me up, I was trying not to let him pick me up, and he picked me up forcefully. I, yeah, felt yeah, like, I mean, um, you're a big guy, too. I so. felt abused. <laughs> <laughs> I felt, uh, uh, I, 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 the story behind that, it was the night before. Okay. The night before that, um, my family got off the elevator. My brother, I got gangster brothers. Okay. You know? Pine Bluff in the house. Huh? <laughs> and, and all my friends, a lot of my friends are there too, and my uncles. And so it's, it's like 12 of us. I walk off the elevator, my, uh, and Barry Bonds was walking, going back to the elevator. So we're passing him and his crew. It was an MTV crew and his wife and things like that. And my older brother, Teru, was like, Barry, what's up? It's like that. And he went, Phew. <laughs> like, no. Like, yeah, he was. It might have been in a, a bad day or whatever it may be, but he went, Psh. and I'm like, oh man, you know. <laughs> I'm like, my brother's like, man, F, you know, they going off. I'm like, man, get that. you know, they wanted to fight him now. They from the hood. That's like, that's disrespectful. Yeah, you know, you better than me. It's very yeah, yeah, disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so, uh, but his his wife at the time came over and said, hey man, he just had a long day. You know, this is not who he is or whatever. Yeah. And it kind of calmed him down. Yeah. And then A Rod saw it. And end up buying my brother's them drinks, you know, hung out or whatever. Good call. Yeah, and Good so I, I've been knowing A-Rod since I was 16 years old. Oh, wow. We both played on the same team yeah. uh, at 16 years old in Boise, Idaho. And uh, and so he kind of understood who, what my family was all about. And and uh, so he saved them in that situation. So the next day, I go, it's the game. You know, yeah. it's time to play the game. And I'm in center field, and they said, now batting Barry Bonds. I'm yeah. like, don't hit it to me. Don't. <laughs> I was 25 years old, and I'm like, don't hit it to me. Don't hit it to me. Derek Lowe throws the pitch, and psh, I'm like, you know what? I'm going for this thing, yeah. right? I yeah. took off running, yeah. and uh, and I jumped up. I caught the ball. Ichiro was next to me. He said, holy. And I was like, man, I didn't know you spoke English, man. I, and, I, and I was like, and you can see me running and looking back at him like, nice, nice, right? And uh, and so when I was running, running away, uh, going back into the dugout, I see Barry Bonds waiting. So he and I'm like, oh man, here you go. Yeah. So I went high. He was at what second base? He was at right yeah. around shortstop area. Oh, okay. Okay. So I was running back in, and I was he high fived me, and I went high, and then he went low. Oh, but when it. he went low, I was like, you ain't picking me up, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he picked me up like this. I'm like. Ah. <laughs> And, and man, I, I was like, this dude is super strong. I'm running off laughing, but inside my head, I'm like, he is strong. And so, just yeah. you know, it's just a, that's yeah. that's when I think the world got a chance to see me play. Me playing in uh, in Minnesota yeah. wasn't a big TV market. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it's not a big market for people to see me play. They wouldn't see me in the big games. Sure. I, you know, so I was able to I had a stage at 25 years old to show people what yeah. I was doing in Minnesota, right. and they were like, yeah. "Wow!" Yeah. And I think that's when I kind of came on the scene. Yeah, because you went you went to Minnesota, and then you went to Anaheim, uh, L.A. Angels, yeah. then Detroit, yeah. and then back to back, back to, to the, the Twins at 40. Forty years old. Forty years old. I went. I came with the Minnesota Twins uh, at seventeen in, in nineteen ninety three. Uh, left at two thousand eight in two thousand eight. Mm -hmm. Twelve years, eleven years, and then I um, left for five years. Mm -hmm. Go to the Angels. Went to Detroit for two, and then I came back at forty. Yeah. So it, I hit my first home run uh, against Detroit. Yeah. Then I went to Detroit and played. I hit my three hundredth home run against the Twins with Detroit. Wow. And then, so I, I went back and, you know, I had some numbers. I was top 10 in a lot of numbers. And I'm like, all right, nothing like going back and kind of solidifying a, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of things for a legacy, mm -hmm. you know. 
And uh, so I went back and and uh, played the game. I was 40 years old, and I got a lot of teasing from all those young guys. And his guys in there, Byron Buxton at the time, and, you know, uh, Brian Doze, they're the same age as my son. I'm like, you know, I walk in the kitchen, they're eating, and they laughing or whatever, and I walk in there, and I'm like, Tori, Tori. Tori's coming. I'm like, man, I already did everything y'all talking about. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. I was the old guy. And that's when I realized, you know, also when I went home yeah. after games, I yeah. walk, I had some stairs to go to my bedroom. Mm -hmm. My butt cheek locked up. <laughs> I'm like, I've never had a butt cheek lock up. And that's when I realized it's time to go home. <laughs> For those of you watching this live, have you ever had a butt cheek lock up on you? Let me know. Put it in the comment section below. Um, uh, it, talk about I want you, you have you have this thing that game uh, life is baseball baseball uh, life is baseball baseball is life yeah and uh, talk to us about you in the minors and uh, you know you sleeping in the car for a couple of days with the geo what was it with the, was a geo it's geo spectrum geo spectrum I mean, it was a stick shift and you and you you you're 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 floating money because you know you went for a check you know from from your from your the your, team, your, yeah. from the team. So, so talk to us about that moment. Whew, boy, that was that was one of my um, my moments where I almost gave it up. Yeah. Right um, in 1997, you know, I was drafted in '93. I'm still only 21 years old, but I, you know, as a youngster, you mm -hmm. want it fast, and you're thinking like, oh man, they don't like me anymore. I've been four years, but yeah. I was 17 when I was drafted. Yeah. So 21, 22 is still young. 23 is still young. Yeah. And now in 1997. 21 years old uh we come out of spring training we don't get paid in spring training so that first month you got to pay rent yeah or either pay you got to pay something i don't have any funds yeah, yeah, at yeah. the time and uh because so, people stay with friends or whatever yeah to be, right? you try to stay yeah, with friends yeah. but only it was me and this other guy we we're african-american he was african-american his name armand brown he's a scout now with oakland a's and um so we both <laughs> didn't have any money. He's from Houston. I'm from yeah. Arkansas. We were like, yeah. our families are jacked up. <laughs> and so we we decided to get a rental car that was $9.99 a day, right, and and save some money. We knew we were going on the road in the next four, four days. So we slept in the car at night, pretend like we were leaving, right? Mm -hmm. the, the clubhouse guy that was there, the clubhouse manager, knew that we were sleeping in the car, so he he'll leave it open. Sometime wow, wow. for us to go wash our clothes mm. and do a lot of different things early in the morning, and then we can leave. We had to go to the mall before the coach got there, so he wouldn't know that we were sleeping in the parking lot of the stadium. So we slept in that parking lot of the stadium, knowing that we we're going on the road. All we got to do is make it those four days because we're about to go on the road, and they got to pay provide the hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we survived those four days, man, sleeping in that car. We we were in the mall. All the time. I was tired of Kung Pao chicken. <laughs> Kung Pao chicken. <laughs> have chicken. Have, have rice, have noodle. <laughs> Mystery meat. I didn't know where that meat was coming from. But it was good. Yeah. And uh, But it's we survived. It was a great price. And, and uh, just those experiences like that, you know, that you can get through. It, it pushed me knowing that I can get through. I'm from the hood already. My lights mm. were cut off. Yeah. You know, I cut yards uh, for, for money. I had a paper route, which they don't have paper routes yeah, anymore. Exactly. But that, that job is gone. But I had that job. Yeah. I've even picked cotton on a Saturday wow. just to buy some Jordans. You wow. know, So uh, I've yeah. done those things in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And so I, I've been through some things. But sleeping in a car made me realize, like, I had a bed. No matter if my life was lights were cut off or not, I had some food, you know. So 
um, it was a humbling situation for me, uh, and 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 it allowed me to push through another barrier, yeah. you know, and I yeah. got through some things and I was like, it made me stronger along the way. But I had some good people like my wife, Katrina, who says, don't quit. Wait till the end of the season. You feel the same way. Mm. Then you hang it up. You, hang it up. you yeah. still have your scholarship at Arkansas. You can't play the game, but they bought my scholarship from the, uh, the Minnesota Twins, bought it from the Razorbacks so I can go back to school, get my education. And, uh, and then my brother said, if I come home, he's going to kick my butt every day. <laughs> I didn't want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so here's an interesting thing too about life is a bit because I'm in sales. Uh, we have, we have, we, t we teach guys in the insurance industry that you know you got to go through the numbers. So um, if we if we can um, if we can look at this uh, stat here real quick, your, your your stats. Can we look at my screen? So based on your stats here, your batting average was. 277. 277. Okay. Above average. But, but okay. Now here's yeah. the thing though. I. 10 at bats, you miss. Yeah, I mean, 7.3 7 .3 times. Yeah. And you're considered a p potential Hall of Famer. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Because people don't understand that. You're like, you go up to bat 10 times, you're missing, you only make contact 2.7 times, 2.8 times, and you're considered a potential I mean, Hall of Famer. I mean, think about it. All Hall of Famers, they fail 7 out of 10 times. Mm. You're a 300 hitter. You, you, you accept failure in baseball, right? Mm -hmm. And I say baseball is Correct. life, life is baseball. Failure doesn't matter to me. Yeah, it's, it's how I get through it, how I process it and the adjustments that I make along the way. I face Roger Clemens, yeah. and Roger Clemens strikes me out. Well, I got two more innings, maybe 30 minutes, to sit down and figure out what he did to me, right? I, if I don't figure out what he did to me, the same thing is going to happen to me again. Yeah. So baseball, seven out of ten times, you, you're a failure. But one thing about it, we make adjustments, and yeah. we're not afraid to fail. So I take baseball into life, and when I invest in a business deal, it doesn't work. Opposed to me lying to the viewer, the listeners or the viewers and saying, oh, my businesses are doing great, right? No, I'm telling you, I got businesses that are not doing good at all, right? You're being honest but, with it, yeah. But I sit Jordan. down, and I say, all right, it's got to be different. I have mm -hmm. to find a different way, and we have to find, be creative in finding different ways of, of getting streams of income yeah. and be creative in sparking the, uh, the community come to be uh, consumers of ours. Yeah. And so, and that's what baseball has done for me. I, I, I accept failure more because yeah. fi without failure, you get, there's no success. Success and failure are cousins. You got to have one before you get the other. Mm. If you're afraid to fail, you actually, you're dying, you're killing yeah. yourself. There's a yeah. lot of people in the grave right now. Miles Monroe said all the time, there's a lot of uh, money in the grave. The richest place in the world is a graveyard because the people have fear of failure, false evidence appearing real. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a fear of failure, you won't have no success. Yeah. You got to get up. A lot of people are depressed because they're not moving. Mm -hmm. They have no purpose. Yeah. And so you have to find that that failure, which baseball taught me to, you know, apply that to my real life. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to fail. I make adjustments. There's a story of you also looking through like, the batter's helmet because a hard helmet, there's a hole in the top of it, right? <laughs> right. And so what you would do is you would study the pitcher. Yeah. Right? And yep. he'd, he'd kind of signal his yep. his pitches. <laughs> so is that Man, a, you've been doing some research. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Man, this guy can really do some research, guys. <laughs> I want to honor your time here, bro. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. But... I thought that's probably way back in the archives. Yeah, yeah. But Paul Molitor, man, taught me that. Uh, Paul Molitor in 2000, 2001, 
he was a, he be, he was my teammate. Then he became my coach, and then he became my manager at forty. Oh, so okay. I had him as a teammate, okay. a coach, and a manager. But when he was a coach in two thousand one, we were playing the Cleveland Indians, and Dave Berber, he was a pitcher. He's on the mound with the Cleveland Indians, and Molly. I had a day off, and Molly said, instead of just sitting down watching the game, I want you to learn something. So get your helmet. Turn it around, look through the hole on the top of the helmet, and only focus on Dave Berber, yeah. right? And that I'll tell you, like, hyper-focus, and it taught me a lot of different things. Yeah. So I started doing that for three innings, and then the third inning, I'm like, Molly, I got it, <laughs> right? Dave Berber would come set, right, and he'll go, look, it'll say Indians right here. At the time, it was the Indians. Now it's the Guardians, but it said Indians here, and it'll go lower than the Indians, and it will be uh, off-speed. Then anytime he stayed even or higher than the Indians, it was a fastball. Mm. And I'm and I'm calling every pitch and I was excited. And that's when I my career just took off and went wow. into another level. Because something that a veteran guy, a mentor that's been there, done that, failed yeah. a thousand times, figured out ways. Now he's trying to help me skip a process and and figure out something. And and so when I figured that out, my career took off and people was like, Tori's sitting on slider. Then the other team would say that and then they throw me a 99 mile hour fastball and I turn on that too. And they're like, I thought he was a slider guy. Nope. I, whatever that pitcher's doing, that's what I'm looking for. Wow. And uh, I, I would and tell you. studied you, the tape. I studied video all night. Yeah. I kissed my wife goodnight and I had this iPad and I would study video. And some people you just can't get, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But I say about 80% at the time, they had something they tipped. And all I needed was one pitch. If you have four pitches or three pitches, if I eliminate one, I'm good. Yeah. So why would they tip it at the I, – I thought the catcher is signaling whatever pitch. No, well, the catcher's signal. he's signaling the, the pitch, but I'm only – I can't see that. If you look back, that's yeah, yeah. an unwritten rule. You can get beat up or you're going to get hit in the neck and it's going to have a tattoo emblem of Major League <laughs> Baseball swing like this. Because yeah, you're like this. <laughs> right. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so if they see you doing that, you're in trouble. So you have to look forward. Mm. And if you tip your pitches, that's not that's not on me. That's on you. Right? You have pitches that like stuck their tongue out when yeah. they threw a fastball or they like this when they threw an off speed. Mm. So I learned all these things wow. in baseball. So guess what I do in, in, in business? business. I watch telltale signs. Yeah. I watch different things. I I, I kind of I'm very analytical as well because mm -hmm. baseball has analytics and, yeah. and sabermetrics. Yeah. So I'm watching, you know, people's demeanors, how much they 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 move, and how yeah. how, how how can they accept failure, yeah. different things like that. And that's why I call baseball's life. Life is baseball. It's just too many lessons. Period. Focus on your enemy, which is your pitcher, but don't forget about yourself. Because you, your own worst enemy. Mm. And the plate, when the guy's throwing 100 and he throws that 100 mile and I take it, and you see, you go, boom. You, you hear the noise, like, boom. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> this dude throwing hard. So guess what? All the fear, doubt, worry, everything jumps into you. You're like, am I really a baseball player? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, am I really? And next thing you know, you strike out. Strike one, strike two, strike three, because you you created a whole bunch of fear yeah. and a whole bunch of negative thing, thoughts before you got in, yeah. got in the box and be, after that first pitch. Yeah. And you like, you have to make that adjustment and say, you know what? 
I'm I'm ready. Wow. You know, it might take one at bat where you sacrifice that that first at bat because you're trying to figure out who they are, Interesting. what they are. Yeah. But you got to stay within yourself. Yeah. Understand your weaknesses and your strengths. Yeah. Uh, um, you got to psych yourself out yeah. to do things, and that's the same thing as entrepreneurs and business owners. You got to psych yourself out, man. Interesting. You know, my my wife, she's a she's the one she, between my wife and I, she's the hotter, smarter. Um, uh, 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 more athletic one between the two of us, because she went to Pittsburgh to play softball. Oh, she know the game. Oh, yeah, she know the game. Yeah, I can yeah. talk to her all day oh, for about sure. baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so the way I would make up to her when we got a fight, we go to the batting cages. She's okay, babe, fine. So, <laughs> so, she, she just, so you watched. You 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 watched. So I, and so um, exactly, I watched. And so and I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna let the softball girl kind of out hit me. Because you know I'm com- I'm competitive too, so right. I'm at the at the you know they're throwing me at sixty. I'll, I'll go sixty miles, seventy miles. You know, I've never played baseball, so and then I'm just taking a step back. Shoom. I'm like, this is only sixty miles now compared to what these guys play, right? But I just noticed myself learning it, and I just I just kind of had to feel the pitch go by. You know, okay, I'm gonna get in. We go sixty, and bam, I'm, I'm clocking it. I'm like, my wife's like, babe, you can play baseball. <laughs> like, well, you, I, I should have. <laughs> you, you, I mean, you look like you're a pretty talented athlete. You got you're a specimen, man, and I can tell you that now. But man, I, if you should, you should do that. You saw yeah. signs of you, you know, you know your wife yeah. is a softball player, yeah. and you're like, all right, we got an argument. Let me take her to the cage. She probably it's relieving for yeah, her, yeah. you know. And That's so right. watching tendencies is the same thing as you got gotta to do that with your wife as well. That's right. I watch my wife. <laughs> Watch everything that she does. Now, we're, we're having a funny conversation right before we start recording. And I want to go through this because we weren't always squared away, married, committed. So I went through my clubbing days, professional athlete, you know, kind of had, you know, you're the man. A bunch yeah. of other guys got paid to as well. Why do, why do most young men end up womanizing and going to the club, spending money on crap? You know, what's, what's your opinion on that? Because it's, it's interesting that a lot of us have to go through that phase. And, and what's worse about it, they end up having kids, child support, and they seem like they ruin their life from, from just from a financial standpoint, not from the kids, but from the financial standpoint. Can you talk to that a little bit? Man, I'm a billboard of that. You know, um, man, I had infidelity, you know, uh, in, in my marriage uh, early on. Um, um, shoot, I had kids out of wedlock, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not about the kids out of wedlock. It's what comes after. Sure, you know, yeah. The baby mama drama. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the kids getting uh, one aspect of life and different than your aspect of life. Yeah. And they're always going to listen to the mom's aspect of yeah. life, which is not what the man's supposed to listen to. He's supposed to listen to your father, right? And, and get this aspect as well. Yeah. Mama nourishes you. Mama loves you. Yeah. Mama's going to give you everything that you need as far as that. But... I want I want to prepare you for the life. That's right. What's coming out here in the world, and so you getting a, a two different mindsets, and you and he's battling with you. Yeah. You know, you're like, man. Yeah. So I got that that aspect of it, and I think that a lot of young athletes who go through those things, and not just athletes. I'm talking about people. Sure. Period. Yeah. Young kids. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in the African American community, dads. Dads give you identity. Even for a young young girl, mm-hmm. a dad will give you an identity. Mm-hmm. You got the dad in the household. He's the right dad. He's a, mm-hmm. a healed dad. Wisdom is healed pain. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not pain itself that mm-hmm. you went through this pain. You went through this, so you got wisdom in it. No, it's only wisdom if you don't cry about it no more. Wow. Wisdom is healed pain. Yeah. And I heard that from Darius Daniels. Wow. And so I write that down, baby. It, it, wisdom is healed pain. So if you don't. If your dad is not in the household, right, and you grow up 
um, uh, by yourself without that identity, you try to create an identity, mm -hmm. especially African-Americans. You black, you can't go in that neighborhood. You black, you can't do what they do. Mm -hmm. You black, don't go in that store that they're going to think you're stealing. Yeah. You black. And you keep hearing this at 7, 8, 9, 10 years old. Black people like, don't have good credit. Yeah, black people don't have good credit. You know we don't do. There's a lot of things that we don't do that yeah. actually don't make sense that we should be talking sure. about. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And next thing you know, you have no identity. As an African-American, we wear chains, and we get the nicest car, and we get the biggest house, and we do all these different things to show people, I'm somebody now. Yeah. I'm somebody. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I made it. Look at me, right? And we, we're actually crying out. That's that kid crying out, like, help me. Right. Darius Daniels also said there's a thing called invisible prison. Mm. It's that eight-year-old you that's in a prison with no bars. Mm -hmm. And whenever something happens or you want to feel like I want to get validated or you want to feel like I want to get appreciated, uh, which we all want to be appreciated, sure. but if you, wanna, if you got issues and childhood issues, that little kid comes out of that prison because it has no bars. Yeah. And it comes out, even at a 40, 50, 60-year-old man, yeah. you still have a little eight-year-old yeah. that's in a visible prison, and you're still acting out. Someone yeah. says something to you, oh, you feel disrespected, and yeah. different things like that. So, and you act out with aggression. That's childhood issues, yeah. right? And uh, and so I think a lot of African-American males that make it to the, to the NFL or MLB or acting or whatever, we got an identity issue. Not just in our household, but also in America as well. Mm -hmm. So if we figure out who we are and understand who we are and whose we are, yeah. which is we're God's child, yeah. Yeah. children. Right. If we figure out who we are and have that identity, you won't have to wear the, the jury. You won't have to wear uh, uh, drive the Rolls Royce. You won't have to do all that unless you want to. Sure. You know, if you yeah. like that stuff, you yeah. do it. Don't do it because of an issue of your childhood. Yeah. Don't do it because you have no identity and you're yeah. trying to create one. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of talk lately about the lack of patriotism in America, the lack of uh, the, the, the victim language, the, uh, the, the anger issues, the bitterness that a lot of people in, in different right. communities have towards America. I mean, uh, but at the same time, too, America's allowed me to live my dreams. Yeah. I think yeah. this allowed you to live your, yeah. your dreams, too, as well. So, yeah. and so you know, this has been an election year. You know, what, what's your take on... on, on where you think America is right now, what America needs? Um, well, I don't know, because if I knew what was going on, I mm. promise you I'd run for president. Because <laughs> the, the number one issue for me is economic policy. Yeah. If a man can't economically be empowered to provide and protect yeah. the, for the people he doesn't care about, you yeah. really diminish the society, and you, you diminish a man, you diminish a father. Yeah, and yeah. that's the that's the art of war as well. It's an art of spiritual war and, and also war in, in the world. Yeah. You know, if you... If you soften the man or or depress the man or you oppress the man and bring him back down, yeah. right, then this enemies always wait in time. They start a process and say, sit back and wait. Mm. One person dies who started it, already told the person that's uh that's that's a that's coming up, yeah. hey, this is what we're doing. I'm dying, keep it going. Mm. And when you see all the men are soft. And you see all the men are not doing what they're supposed to do. They're not leading their homes. They're not leading in any situation. They yeah. no longer want to lead and be strong. Then you attack. Satan would do it, and other countries would do it. Mm. So I think we're to a point where we're, 
a lot of our men, we still got some there. We still mm. got some good leaders yeah. there and good men there, good married men, good businessmen, mm. good all yeah. that. But we're actually getting less and less. Just listen to com- listening to conversations are getting less. Yeah. And and when men get to a point where they're oppressed and they can't make the money, they can't provide for their families, they can't do all these different things, man, you suicide rates go up. All these things Crime happen. rates go up. Come, yeah. We need... You need income, yeah. right? But if you got emotional issues, I always say financial literacy, right? We think mathematics. And, talk to us. But, talk to us. Right? Yeah. You think mathematics. You're thinking all of these different things. And you got people, doctors and attorneys and smart people that go broke, right? Why they go broke? It's because emotions. Mm. You spend because of your emotions. No matter, no matter what. What I was just saying about validating yeah. yourself yeah. And, and having an identity and all these different things, but if you got childhood issues, all your emotions that's going, it's going to allow you to spin your loop, right? Yeah, I, I have emotions for my wife. And my emotions for my wife, I spend money on my wife. I got emotions for my, my brothers, right? Mm-hmm. My family I told you about yeah. earlier. So I allow different things to yeah. happen to me that shouldn't have happened to me. I should have had boundaries and not let that happen to them yeah. say to me, right? Yeah. And I would spend money because of my emotions. During Christmas, Thanksgiving to Christmas, they all coincide and go together. So after Chris, after Thanksgiving, your man, mind is focused on Christmas and traveling and having a good time, Christmas parties, be with the family and do all mm-hmm. these different things, traveling and doing this. And then right at January 1st, you forget you got bills to pay because you blacked out on your emotions. And then you spend all this money. You knew you had bills. The first 10 days of January, I had 100000 plus worth of calls of people needing help. And I got this thing since 2002 wow. called January No. So no matter who you are and you come to me, I'm saying January No because I understand what money's all about. It's about your emotions. Wow. Check your emotions. You check the money. So wow. in January, if you call me and you need money, you about to get evicted. Wait to February, but you're in a long line. <laughs> Snap! All right, so um, <laughs> let's wrap with the rest of this. You slammed it, baby. Uh, let's talk about some of your power moves in business. You know, okay, mm-hmm. so uh, were you always entrepreneur? Were you entrepreneur while you were playing the game, or were you done playing the game and then you? Decided to become an entrepreneur. Well, you you've had a guy named Ed Butowski yes. on this yeah. this platform, and uh, Ed Butowski is my mentor in financing, and uh, he taught me about rate of return, sharp ratio, co- correlation, all these different terms. Chapwood, yeah, Chapwood, yeah, Chapwood capital, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, uh, he it was like Japanese to me, right? And when he first started, he made me come three hours a week during the off season, so I had you know um, three months of Ed Butowski you know, <laughs> for three years. And so I had to go three three hours, and he would had a whiteboard, and he just wrote all these different things, and I'd take notes, and i go study for myself, study to show that I self-approve, sure. and i go study for myself and try to get to understanding these things. And for three to four years, he was teaching me about all these things, yeah. about S&P 500, yeah. NASDAQ, and all these different things. And uh, and he, he the one kind of sparked me on investing in companies, hmm. not brick and mortars yeah. but they are brick and mortars but it was on stock market and so he kind of inspired me to start doing all those things and, and explain to me what they mean and and uh, so I thank him for sparking that in me and then I got to a point where I started investing in real estate I told you a story mm-hmm. about the real estate and when I saw that so I started investing in real estate while I was playing I started investing while I was playing thinking about my future nice right nice. thinking about 
my family's future. Think about legacy. Think about when I die in two years, 200 years after me, mm-hmm. right? What am I going to do? Who's going to break that chain? And when that song said, break every chain, yeah. you got to be the one to start breaking that chain. It starts now to think about your future. So, and that's what I was doing while I was playing. I already had a, a, a in my heart, I told my mom at 13, mom, I want to start businesses so I can create jobs. You know, and she was like, no, nah, you go to school, get your education, yeah, you work know. for somebody. You know, that was yeah, the mindset yeah, yeah, yeah. back then. And now it's about entrepreneurship, investing in business and owning your own businesses. And so I, I, t- I had this in my heart. And bas- God said, I'm going to use you. You're going to play baseball, but you're going to get indoors to help you move along speak the it, way. Speak it. Let's right? go. Yeah. So baseball was just my part of my process. Yeah. It wasn't the process. Yeah. It was part of my process. And so I learned so many things. I met so many people. They made me read these books. They brought me in to different yeah. business deals and I learned yeah. different deals. And so I was doing business investing mm. while I was playing. I was trying to teach a lot of players. They'd be like, man, I don't know. I just focus on baseball. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you better focus on your money. Why are you paying your agent fees to pay all your bills? Mm-hmm. You, your mama can do that. Pay your mama. Pay your aunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Employ them. Employ them. Have them right. earn their salary. Have them earn the money that you give them. Right. So, yeah, I did a lot of business investing while I was playing and, and a lot of studying on the, those long flights. And yeah. and uh, um, so I think I should encourage a lot of players that play NFL, NBA, or whatever, be a, be a business investor. Yeah. You're going to make $200 million. I made over $150 million in a game of baseball. And and I thank thank God I was married with kids because if I was single I'd be like, <laughs> Yo, call me Poppy. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I would have been flossing like a mother. Like thank God I got married at 21. And this is your guy though, Big Poppy. Yeah, Big, Big Poppy was my roommate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Poppy was my my teammate for a long time, and I got some hella stories, and they were rated R. But Big Poppy, David Ortiz, man, was a, a great friend of mine. Man, we we do business together. We have a, a group called Dugout Ventures. Oh, we got Pujols, myself, Barry Larkin, um, uh, a lot of other players, and we invest in different things as well. We invest wow. in something called Performance Kitchen, yeah. and it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, so. People, so the players that you guys pull your money together, like. A, like a fund, yeah. We created a fund. I love and it. It's been I years now, it. and uh, and it's it's a lot of fun to to yeah. invest with people that got like minds. You yeah. know, not the ones that just say I don't want to know nothing about. It. I'm just gonna give you my money. And then yeah. their financial advisor was like, "Where's the money?" No, it's invested. It takes time. It's a yeah. seed that planted that you yeah. got to water. Yeah. That actually, it got to go down and get root, roots yeah. first. You got to go down in the dirt first. You don't that's just it. pop up. That's right. right. If yeah. you want a good foundation, go down in the dirt first. And then you got to water it, water, water it, water clip it, it make sure it grows yeah. straight, and yeah. then that thing pop up and it grows. So, yeah. and that's what um, that's what we try to you know teach guys, and that's what that's what mentoring is all about. I can teach you baseball. That's what I'm gonna do anyway. Mm-hmm. Naturally, that's why I stay in the game of baseball. I'm going to spring training with the Twins. I'm going to spring training with the Angels, and I stay in there because. The wisdom that God has given me along mm-hmm. the way, that healed pain. I went through a lot of pain playing mm-hmm. baseball, but yeah. I, I'm healed from it. Yeah, amen. So I try to give them a lot of that wisdom back on yeah. the field and off the field. Yeah. Off the field is just as important as on the field because something going on off the field, you're going to destroy yourself on the field. So a lot of a lot of folks say, man, Tori, man, must be lucky though. I, you know, I don't play baseball. I'm not a professional athlete. You know, So 2024 is a year uh, of high inflation, Hopefully the interest rate starts dropping. It will. Um, and, you know, of course, right? And Tosky. Uh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Batosky, yep. <laughs> um, and, and a lot of these things. So how would you advise as we wrap up the show, any bits of wisdom, financial literacy-wise, entrepreneur-wise, you give to somebody out there right now how to get it, even if you were never a, 
professional baseball. What type of wisdom, for example, would you give your your grandkids, or your, your children, to as well, your family members? Man, I you know when my sons, I was teaching them about financial literacy, uh, the mathematical part, mm -hmm. and I, I tell them I read a book called Richest Man in Babylon. Oh, great right? book, great book. Yeah, Arcade yeah. was awesome, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, so I was just I heard them say, if you put away ten percent of any th dollar that you get. Any piece of money that you get, just put away 10% and invest it or put it away. By the time you're 40, you're a millionaire. No matter how much money you make, if you put away 10%, and I'm telling you at 13 years old, at 15 years old, mm -hmm. at 18 years old, if you can just put away 10% of your, your money yeah. for a long period of time, especially at this time, yep. you got to be careful spending in a rough time. We don't sure. know what the economy is like. It's, it's fluctuating. Mm -hmm. It's up and down. The Fed funds, uh, the Fed rates are actually... It's steady and going mm -hmm. down, mm -hmm. and I think before the election, uh, the the rates will be down. It won't be where we used to be, mm -hmm. but it, you'll see a trending downward. And uh, and but I think we're in a lot of debt right now. I think there's going to be blood on the street in April and May, right? Um, and that's going to be a time to buy. But you're not buying to take something from someone. You make sure you get out there and buy to help someone and be a band-aid to stop them from bleeding. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think that uh, we need to do in America is go around and figure out who's drowning, who's bleeding, and yeah. be, become a band-aid because there's going to be buyers and they're going to be sellers yeah. for sure in April or May, whether it's homes, businesses, or whatever, and people are going to be crying in the street, bleeding in the street. Yeah, because you're saving somebody from a foreclosure. Yeah. You're saving somebody from a repossession. Yeah. yeah. Especially under credit, right. where that will smear for, for a minute yeah. before they can get the financial legs back underneath them. Right. And so... Um, uh, where can where can people find and find ways to do business with you? Where can people uh, uh, visit your restaurants? <laughs> Tell everybody, <laughs> man. Well, I'm I'm always on uh, at uh, tnuts48 Tory Hunter on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on on Facebook. I got a lot of imposters on Facebook. Be careful. You're crazy, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> but um, um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, just at Tory Hunter. And, you know, Tender Smokehouse, you can get online. If you got skincare, hair care, um, and you want to deal with that ashiness and, and get your hair <laughs> laid, you know, go to Urban Hydration. You can go to UrbanHydration.com and read more about uh, my skincare, hair care products. Uh, we have Maker's Gym, the creative space. Yes, I'm there too as well. And, yeah, yeah, Tender Smokehouse. Make, Tender Smokehouse is awesome here in North Dallas. If you're ever in North Dallas, come check us out. Uh, great What's your locations of uh, Tender? Our, our locations are in Salina, Frisco, Texas, um, uh, Arbery, Texas, uh, coming soon in Little Elm, and coming soon in, in uh, Whitesboro. Awesome. I'm looking forward to sandwich. I love me some barbecue, man. Man, I love some barbecue as well, I'm be honest <laughs> with you. But I got to be careful. They say don't get high off your own supply. <laughs> <laughs> but by the way, it's, it's pretty gutsy to be in Texas to open up a barbecue restaurant. I mean, it can't, yeah. can't be bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you know yeah. what? We really pride ourselves on kingdom service. Love it. Right, not Amen. custom service, kingdom, kingdom service, service. and it. we try to have service that's up just the the most at the highest. And yeah. people come in, they be like, "Man, you get barbecue anywhere in Texas, right?" But are they treating you treating you uh, like you're a king? That's right. That's, that's what right. we try to do and treat people like kings, and they come back and they're repeat offenders, and we like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like uh, uh, going to Mexico and then getting taco. You suck. Yeah, I'm yeah. Saying, uh, but uh, you know, something's got to be up above and beyond that. But Tori, I can have another hour with you, man. I'm, I'm just blessed and grateful that I got to bump into you. I Thank didn't you. realize I was doing business with you by being a member at Baker's Gym. <laughs> Thank to you. see you there. Thank you for your, your service. Oh, appreciate it. Well, appreciate your you, support. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Absolutely, man. And by the way, it's, that's my job as an entrepreneur is to go out and support other yep. entrepreneurs. Our money should be 
that's circulating right. around other business owners, right? And so, that's that's what we try to do, man. Yeah. If you, if you, they said, what what is that Spider Man quote? Uh, to whom much is given. That's actually scripture. But yeah. to whom much is given, much is required. So you you're out here doing great yeah. things. You're making yeah. good money. How can you give it back yeah. without destroying yourself? Of course. Yeah. How can you give it back and yeah. give somebody else a leg up? And and that's what we try to do. And that's what all athletes should do. That's what all entertainers should do. Uh, um, and and. I think you're going to make the world a, great, a greater place. And i never seen a fruit. I always say this before I get off. i never seen a fruit or a tree eat his own fruit. Make sure you're not the tree eating your own fruit. Make sure you let people get, pick from you and pick from your, tr your tree. You, are the, you have the gift, and that's your fruit. And let right. people pick from it. And right. that's what I try to remember. Every yeah. time I'm out there starting a business or investing in a business, yeah. I, I want to be a solution to a problem. Yeah. Because not only can eat, but also you give them the seed yeah. to, to be able to, for them to plant themselves. That's right. Well, that's powerful, right. man. We can go out, man, get all <laughs> philosophical about this stuff, but that's the stuff that moves me too as well. I wonder what your philosophy is here in 2024. Are you getting financially ahead? Make sure you follow Tori Hunter here too as well. If you're looking for some barbecue, you might find me out there too as well at, uh, <laughs> at, uh, at this spot. But uh, for, for example, I'll be also at Maker's Gym creating content out there too as well because in addition to the podcast, yep. I'm going to be doing some things there at the different uh, studios that you provide yes, at, at your location. So that being said, guys, please, if you've watched this up until the end of this interview, put Tori with two eyes. <laughs> Tori with two eyes. In the comment section below, let us know you watched it to the end of the podcast. And who knows, you might get a special gift from me from yours truly here at the Seven Figure Squad podcast. If you've also watched it to this end, make sure you hit like, subscribe, and capture the next episode when we come here. Episode 57 coming to you soon. Next week, we'll be in San Antonio, Texas. We're going to have Les Brown. We're going to have Patrick and David. We're going to have sales trainer Jeremy Lee Miner. And we're going to have Waka Flocka show them here to our event too as well. So we'll be in San Antonio broadcasting from there too as well. So... Very excited about that. Please put your biggest takeaway in the comment section below. That being said, everybody, thanks for tuning in. On behalf of Tory Hunter, I'm your money smart guy. And until we meet again, continue to love smart, continue to love smart, and be money smart today. God bless you. Bye-bye.